Hallelujah. We are certainly so thankful, amen, to have all of our guests with us. Let's give all of our guests a great big hand. God bless you. In the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I understand that there is a family here, the Grooms family, that has been, uh, that is with us this morning, but are celebrating a 48th family reunion. Let's give this wonderful family a great big hand. God bless them. Amen. Amen. We thank the Lord. We thank the Lord for this uh, beautiful family and for all that have gathered here today. We rejoice in the God of our salvation. Now, you might notice that there's a little bit of a different decor here on the platform. I don't know if you noticed that or not, but I might point it out in case you didn't. There's a little bit of a different decor. That's because this week is Vacation Bible School at First Apostolic Church. And it's going to be a wonderful time uh, all week long. We're going to be ministering to children children who make this their home church, children who have never been here before. And when you're ministering to children, you're also ministering to their families. And so be in prayer for this week. And uh, it really cannot be overstated how valuable, how important uh, this opportunity of ministry is. I'm holding in my hands a journal, a booklet that was made in 1959 by our very own Brother Enos in Vacation Bible School. Amen. He was going through some, uh, some old boxes of memorabilia pictures and came across this, pulled it out and started to share it. And I looked at it and said, I want to use that Sunday morning, if I may. And he was so gracious to allow me to do it. The interesting thing about this is that in this journal, they wrote about missionaries. And the first missionary he wrote about was the missionary to Germany. Which if you know Brother and Sister Enos, you know they spent 35 years as career missionaries in Germany to Europe and the Middle East. Amen. What I think is so interesting is that as a, as a young child... He was already being dealt with by God about the calling of God upon his life. Where he would go to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. I wonder how many missionaries are going to come to Vacation Bible School this week. I wonder how many people are going to be here this week. Don't underestimate what God can do in the lives of the children who pass through First Apostolic Church this week. God has a plan for them. That's why he has them here. So let's be in prayer for all of our volunteers. Let's be in prayer for all of our children. And we thank the Lord for this great opportunity. I'm looking into the word of the Lord this morning. I'm going to turn your attention to 1 Kings chapter 2. Now I do want to just share with you a little something. Uh, this week uh, I had to have a little procedure done on my back. Uh, this week as in two days ago. So I'm kind of stitched up just a little bit back here. And uh, I uh, might try to subdue myself just a bit while I'm preaching. And uh, you know that's not the easiest thing in the world for me to do. So I might need an amen corner to rev me up and a hem corner to kind of rev me down. <laughs> amen. My wife was concerned. I said, the doctor said I'd be fine to preach. My wife said, but the doctor might be thinking more Joel Osteen, not Joel Urshan. So you might need to 
you might need to take that into consideration. Amen. So, amen. So we're just going to give it our best shot. Amen. And uh, I, I'm, I'm a little concerned because when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, it doesn't take much, folks. When you start talking about the goodness of God, hallelujah, amen. But we're going to look into the word of the Lord this morning. There's something I have on my heart that I just, just want to share with you. First Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. First Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. The word of the Lord says this, Now the days of David drew nigh that he should die. And he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies. As it is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest, and whithersoever thou turnest thyself, that the Lord may continue his word, which he spake concerning me, saying, If thy children take heed to their way, to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul. There shall not fail thee, said he, a man on the throne of Israel. Now this is where it gets interesting. He said, moreover, thou knowest also what Joab, the son of Zeruiah, did to me. And what he did to the two captains of the hosts of Israel. Unto Abner, the son of Ner, and unto Amasa, the son of Jether, whom he slew and shed the blood of war. In peace and put the blood of war upon his girdle that was about his loins and in his shoes that were on his feet do therefore do therefore according to thy wisdom and not let his whore or white head go down to the grave in peace I want to talk to you this morning about David's most deceitful enemy and I want to talk about the unfinished business of David and uh, if we could go to the Lord together in prayer, asking him to bless the remainder of this service and to move upon us with his Holy Spirit. Lord God, we love you today. We ask that your word would have free course. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would move in this house. God, I ask that your word would go forth with clarity and with power. Help us, Lord, to receive your word. Help your word to find good ground in us, I pray. In the precious name of Jesus, let an anointing come upon your messenger. Let me preach with a fervor, with an accuracy, with love and with boldness. I pray in the name of Jesus. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated this morning in the name of the Lord. David had a lot of enemies, as you know, and his life was not one that was pleasant, necessarily. Uh, when you look at the scriptures, you see that, that David had enemies even early in life. David had one enemy that broke in on a shepherd's field, his father's flock, that he was responsible for keeping. And David, it fell to David to defend the flock. What's beautiful about that is that he did just that. He defended the flock of his father. 
could have let it all go and, and probably nobody would have blamed him if a lion broke through. But David fought, protected the flock of his father, fought off the lion, had a bear to come against him. Anybody ever survived a bear attack or survived a lion attack or both? David experienced both. And in fact, when he stood before King Saul, while Goliath, a giant out of the Philistine army, challenged the, the armies of Israel, and Israel looked for a, a champion, that was the deal. Goliath said, if you'll send me forth a champion from your army, your most skilled warrior, I'll fight the champion. We can spare all these other armies. I'll just fight your number one guy. And everybody looked at Saul, and Saul looked behind him and said, what are y'all looking at? What's going on? You're not looking at me. I'm not going to go take Goliath on. And so when David walked in, it was like a breath of fresh air to Saul. The only problem is that David was a youth. He was a very young man. And Saul brought that up and said, don't you see a little problem here? Goliath is a giant. And he's been a champion since his youth. You are but a youth. And how are you going to be able to, to fight Goliath? And David said, let me tell you something about my youth. In my youth, the lion broke in on my father's flock and I, I took the lion out. A bear broke in on my father's flock and I took the bear out. And the same God who delivered me out of the paw of the lion and delivered me out of the paw of the bear is the same God who will deliver this uncircumcised Philistine into my hands. He had enemies and he knew how to handle his enemies. And, and, uh, and so he, he overcame them. Now, those were enemies that were of a very blatant nature. Uh, you know, you know, you know you're in trouble when a lion starts growling at you and, and, and gets into a predator pose. And you know you're in trouble when a bear raises up on its hind legs and begins swiping its left paw. You know you're in trouble when there's a nine-foot, six-inch giant out on a battlefield saying, I will feed your carcass to the fowls of the air. No question, this is my enemy. This is my foe. This is somebody who has risen up against me. But David had other kinds of enemies throughout his life. And some of his enemies were more subtle than, than others. Some of them were shocking. One of his enemies was his own father-in-law, the man who mentored him, a man by the name of Saul. And, and, and Saul actually thrust javelins at David two times. He threw javelins at David, tried to pin him to the wall. And David finally got the point. And, and left. And, uh, and Saul became his bitter enemy for several years and tried, tried ruthlessly to, to exterminate David. David was betrayed by his own son. His own son betrayed him. Absalom tried to turn the whole kingdom against him. Saul, uh, Absalom was a, the Bible says he was beautiful. From his head to his foot there was no blemish. He had a natural charisma and people just kind of flocked to him and he took advantage of that and turned against David, his father, and tried to take the kingdom from David and David was in no mood to fight with his son. David left Jerusalem for a little while, was gonna, was, didn't know exactly how this was going to turn out. And, and so David was no stranger to enemies, but I want to talk to you about the most deceitful enemy David ever faced. 
Because this enemy of David was an enemy that was with David through all of his reign as king. He was with David through so many of his battles. And this, this enemy really posed as a friend. And you don't even find out that, that, that David really fully understood how much of an enemy this was until you get to this charge that he made to his son, King Solomon. And in this charge, he's on his deathbed. And Solomon is about to take over as king of Israel. And David says, Solomon, I want to talk to you about your kingship and about, about this kingdom that I'm handing over to you. And he said, uh, I want you to know, Solomon, that, uh, that you can have all the blessings of God in your life. This is the moment, ladies and gentlemen, where David is getting ready to share with Solomon the most pertinent information that Solomon will ever receive. This is it. If, if there were anything David wanted to say, this is when he'll say it. He's going he's gonna to list all the important stuff right here, right now. This is the last conversation I get to have with my son in whom I'm entrusting all that I've ever worked for. All that I've ever accomplished. So Solomon, I want you to hear what I'm telling you because it is so important that you catch this. I want you to know that if, if you will walk in the ways of God all the days of your life, if you will keep the charge of the Lord, if you will walk in the integrity of God, don't move to the left hand. Don't move to the right hand, but walk with God. Live for God. Serve God all the days of your life. Let the Lord be your God just as he has been my God. And there will never be removed from Israel somebody from the seed of David if we will in fact walk with the Lord. He said, I want you to know, continue in his word. The word that he spoke unto Moses and to the children of Israel. Continue in his word. Walk with him. Serve him with all of your heart. Serve him with all of your soul. Cause Israel to serve him. Cause Israel to walk with him and to worship him. And, and, and he, he shares this, this admonition of a father to a son. A king who is passing on. To a king that is just entering the noble work of his life. And, and, and then he says these things. And these are things you would expect David to say. You would expect the man after God's own heart. To tell Solomon to follow after God's own heart. You'd expect the man who had learned to trust in the Lord. And not in chariots. And not in horses. But to keep your faith in God, you'd expect him to tell his son to put your faith in God. But then all of a sudden, after saying all that, David like takes this turn. And he says, and, and, and I want to I add something to this charge, Solomon. I want to add something to this charge. There's a, there's a man in your kingdom. He was in my kingdom. He was a captain in my kingdom. I trust this man. I have trusted him throughout my kingship. I gave him roles. I gave him responsibilities. I gave him things that he should do, things that he should be over. And I, I entrusted him with these tasks. And, 
And uh, I want to tell you something about him. You need to exterminate him. You need to remove him from your kingdom. He needs to be destroyed because he's an evil man. He's a wicked man. And he has the blood of other people dripping from his hands. In the time of peace, he would wage war. When there was no war, he would wage war. When there was no reason to fight, he would fight. And, and we have Abner who died because of this man Joab. And we have Amasa who died because of this man Joab. And the blood of these men they drip from his hands. Do not let him go down to his grave until he pays for what he did to these men. This was, this was raw stuff. This is Old Testament raw stuff. And, and this was the charge that David made to Solomon. And, and I got to tell you, when you, you got to understand this man Joab. You got to look at this man Joab. And I'll just share with you my thoughts on it because... Because we understand that in the Old Testament, there wasn't a whole lot of grace going around in the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, there were, they, they weren't filled with the Holy Ghost in the Old Testament. See, you don't see in the New Testament, you don't see war and bloodshed like you did in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. But in the Old Testament, when they didn't have the empowerment of the Spirit, their lives were like an example unto us, the Bible says. And so you see types and shadows, and you see metaphors and allegories and analogies. And, and when you look at Joab, you see a real analogy. That, that has to be paid attention to. When I hear what David was saying about Joab, it reminds me of what Paul in the New Testament was saying about our flesh. Okay? So I, I, I look at this and, I, and I, there's this message that Paul preaches, that Jesus preaches, that Peter preaches, that the New Testament church preaches. And it is this, you have an enemy in your camp. You have an enemy in your camp. You may not even know how brutal of an enemy it is. But there's something inside of you that will deceive you at a moment's notice. And, 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 and in fact, Paul said at one point, I have no confidence in the flesh. He told the church at Rome, he said, mortify the deeds of your body and you shall live. At one place, he called the flesh the old man and said the old man must be crucified with Christ. With the affections and the lusts, the old man must be crucified. The prophet Jeremiah said of the human heart, that invisible, that intangible heart where the seat of all your feelings and the seat of all your opinions and the center of everything you think about exists. He said that heart you've got is a deceitful thing. As a matter of fact, he said it is deceitful above all things. And it is desperately wicked. There is a common theme throughout the scriptures that if you want to live for the Lord, the only way you can live a new life is to let the old life go. The only way you can become a new man or a new woman is to let the old man die and let the old woman die. 
the only way you can rise to walk in newness of life is if you will bear, be buried with him by baptism into his death. There are a lot of people trying to live a new life and hold on to an old life. The Bible calls this double-mindedness. And it says of a double-minded man that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. You can't put new wine into old wineskins, Jesus said. He said, you've got to get rid of the old and let the new live. Hallelujah. You've got to cast off the old robe and put on the new robe. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Help me, Holy Ghost, to preach your word. I'm going to tell you that the challenges you have in life have more to do with you hanging on to old flesh and old thoughts and old grudges and old habits. I'm going to tell you that it is a greater and more deceitful enemy to you than the devil himself. It's more deceitful to you than any demon in hell. Your flesh, your carnality, the stuff you want, that internal desire that will, that will overwhelm any spiritual desire. You want to do good. Paul said, this is how it goes. He said, I want to do good, but there's evil present with me. I want to do right, but there's something in me trying to do wrong. I want to stop this, but, but then I go right back to it. I want to cut that off, but I go right back to it. Hallelujah. David in his charge to Solomon said, Solomon, you got to live right. You got to walk right. Israel has to do right. You've got to walk with God. You've got to walk in truth. You've got to have integrity in your heart. But you'll never be able to do it unless Joab dies. Solomon, Joab is a problem. Uh, listen, it's like David. David never could overcome Joab. That's the one enemy David never fully was able to deal with. And I'll tell you why. Because there was so much good in Joab. That's the problem with flesh is that, that we, we never want to fully crucify it because there's so much we like about it. There's so much we depend on. There's so much we default to. There's so much that we've learned through the years how to lean on. Can I tell you that if you'll just lean on Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to take this moment and remind somebody to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not, lean not, lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Hallelujah. We stress about what we should do next. We stress about what steps we should take. We worry and fret over what I should do next. And the Lord told us exactly how to know what to do next. He said, number one, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Number two, lean not to your own understanding. And number three, in all of your ways, acknowledge him. Then there's a promise waiting for you. The promise is this. He shall direct your path. 
My God, it's a promise of God to you. It's a promise of God to you. Hallelujah. But you can't trust in the Lord and trust in the arm of your flesh at the same time. Well, Pastor, you don't know how talented I am. That's a problem. You don't know how gifted I am. That's a problem. Amen. You don't know. You don't. I can do this. I got this. When are you going to learn? You don't got nothing. But if you'll give it to God, God's got it. And God's got you. Somebody said, well, should I should I let God do the things I'm capable of doing? Let me tell you something. The words of an old song, and it's not a gospel song, so God help us. Anything, anything you can do, he can do better. He can do anything better than you. I don't care how good you do it, how much skill you've got, how much talent you've got. Lay it all on the altar. Put it all at the foot of the cross and say, all right, God, I'm going to give it to you and let you have your, your way. I'm going to tell you something. If you thought you were talented before, you'll be anointed, not just talented. Your talent will take on super anointing. Your talent will take on super talent. He gave you five, you'll end up with ten. He gave you two, you'll end up with four. You hear what I'm preaching to you? Stop trusting in your flesh and trust in the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. He said, Solomon, you don't understand. This guy's brutal. I know there's so many good qualities about him. Don't let that fool you. I know that he, he's, he's capable. He's skilled. He has strategy. But don't let that fool you. This man is treacherous. And when you least expect it, he'll look after his own self. He will always look after his own selfish interest. Let me tell you something about your flesh. When push comes to shove, you can pray and still be fleshly. You can worship and still be fleshly. You can come get your shout on and still be fleshly. Because the flesh will look after its own interests. When push comes to shove, when you've been wronged, hallelujah, you know what I'm telling that flesh will rise up and say, don't let them get away with that. You need to strike back. You need, if nothing else, make a snide remark. If nothing else, go, you need to put it on blast. You need to go tweet that. You don't need to let that go. You're not a man if you let that go. You're not a, you're not a strong woman if you don't let, that's your flesh talking. That's Joab talking. Solomon, you got to get rid of Joab. Say to God, you got to get that flesh under control. And, and let, let me rephrase that because that's what we try to do a lot of times. We try to get our flesh under control. We try to manage it. He didn't say manage your flesh. He said crucify your flesh. He didn't say I cope daily. He said I die daily. This 
old man has to be buried. Hallelujah. You need to put that stuff six feet under the ground. You need to put it down where you can't dig it back up. You need to embalm that. You need to get that stuff into the ground. Cover it up with a coffin. Seal it off. You don't ever need to go back to that again. You don't need to go back to that habit again. Go back to that group again. Go back to that way of thinking again. Go back to those old grudges. You've got to crucify the flesh. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Zeruiah had three sons. Joab, Abishai, Asahel. These were three mighty men. These were like, these were like James Bond skilled warriors flipping over buildings and Landing on cars, driving 140 miles an hour through the crowded streets of Paris, Brother Dix. I don't know how they do that, but that's what Joab, Joab, man, he most precise turns and he just knew how to fight and knew how to. And so David was like, man, I just can't get rid of this guy because he's so good. I need him to help me fight my battles. I need I need, you know, somebody said, I, I, you know what, you ask me, I'll tell you what I think. That's so overrated. That's just so overrated because really, honestly, who cares what we think? In all honesty, who cares? I've been wrong so much. I've stopped caring what I think about it. All I care about is, Lord, what do you think about it? Well, I'll give them a piece of my mind. Well, you know, I, you, you give people too many pieces of your mind and you don't have much of a mind left. You've been handing out pieces of my mind all your life and how much you got left? It's just overrated. You don't need to give them a piece of your mind. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, and then give them peace of mind. You don't know, you don't understand where I come from. I'm Irish. Not to pick on the Irish. God bless you. But every, every nationality says that about themselves. You know, it had nothing to do with your nationality. It has to do with your flesh and blood. You're human. I'm human. We get mad. We get irritated. We get upset. We get anxious. We feel hurt. We feel betrayed. We strike back. We don't want to take anything off of anybody. God says, let that go. There's no Jew. There's no Greek. There's no bond. There's no free. There's no male or female. We're all one in Christ. He said we are one in Glory. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, you know, you, you, the flesh will make you feel like you're not a man unless you fight back. Unless you, unless you strike back. Unless you retaliate. Unless you take revenge. That's what Joab struggled with. He didn't feel like a man unless he took revenge. But the greatest man who ever lived said, you smite my face, I'll turn the other cheek. You ask me for my cloak, I'll give you my garment also. You say, well, who did he ever be? Oh, nobody. Just death. 
subdue death, not just death, and hell, and the grave. And when he stood before Pilate and Herod, Herod particularly, trying to, trying to get him to, to, to speak and mock him and, and try to get him to do some magic trick in front of him and then had him beaten, and Jesus answered not a word. He held his peace the entire time. That's a man. But the flesh will try to make you feel like you're some kind of a, of a, of a, of some kind of a less of a person unless you take revenge. So, so Joab, Abishai, and Asahel were, they were, they were such excellent skilled fighters. David put them in positions of fighting. And the Bible says that there was war between the house of David and the house of Saul. And, and, uh, and, and so Abner was prince in the house of Saul and, and, uh, and, and he was a captain of one of Saul's hosts. And the Bible says that when this battle was, was taking place, that, that, that Abner went out to fight. And Asahel was light of foot, the Bible says. He was light of foot. He could run like a, like a deer almost. And, and so he chased after Abner. And Abner turned around and said, stop chasing me. And Asahel wouldn't stop. And Abner said, I'm warning you. And, and so Abner murdered Asahel, this is Joab's brother. He murdered him. Joab never forgot that. Saul was, the, the war between Saul and David ceased. And, and now Israel and Judah were, 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 were making amends. David and, and, and Saul's house were making amends. David was trying to move past the old battles, the old wars, the old fights. He was trying to heal up the wounds between he and the house of Saul. And so Abner came to him and said, David, I'd like to make amends. David was ready to heal, pass wounds, and move on. When Joab found out that David had forgiven Abner for having worked with Saul and for having killed his brother Asahel, he said, there's no way he's going to do that and get away with it. So Joab took matters into his own hands. He went after Abner. And called Abner out. Abner had one time been his friend. And Abner thought that Joab was coming to make amends. And Joab acted like he was going to make amends. And they leaned in for a brotherly hug. And here Joab had a dagger under his cloak. And smote him under his fifth rib. And there Abner died. David mourned the death of Abner. The Bible says he was not for it. And so the scripture says that, that when word got back to David, David grieved and David mourned. And Joab had warned David, he's just going to turn on you like he's turned on everybody else. See, that's what Joab does. That's what the flesh does. The flesh refuses to ever trust again. The flesh refuses to ever, to ever let bygones be bygones. And so in war, Asahel died at the hand of Abner. And Joab, in peace, made Abner pay for it. And David said in 2 Samuel chapter 3 in one place, he said, he confided in somebody. He said, I don't know if I can handle these sons of Zeruiah. They be too hard for me. Speaking of Joab, Abishai, and Asael, he was talking about their treachery. 
He was talking about their vengeance. He was talking about how much they were willing to do simply because they held a grudge and could not forgive and could not give somebody a second chance. And David said, the next thing you know, just a few chapters later, David is making Joab captain over his host. And so we see this conflict within David that even though he knew Joab was a treacherous man, he still put him in leadership positions throughout his kingdom. I know what he's capable of, but I'm still going to use him because of his abilities. The same thing happened throughout Joab's life. David mentioned, for instance, Amasa. Joab killed Amasa the same way that he had killed Abner, seemingly because Amasa was placed in a post that Joab wanted by Absalom. And, and when, when Joab was overlooked and Amasa is placed in the post in his stead, they're on the same team going to fight the same battle. And Joab takes opportunity to slay Amasa the same way that he killed Abner. He put the knife under his fifth rib. And there he lay dead. And they, they picked him up and put him over on the, on the grass. And David took note. This man, this man will kill anybody if they get in his way. This man will trample anybody if they get in his path. And this was the way Joab was. And, and yet David still used him in captain positions throughout his kingdom. You want to know why? Because he knew when he needed to do something that wasn't really in the will of God, he could always count on Joab. See, Joe, David, there was a day when the, when, the, when the soldiers of Israel went to battle and David didn't go to battle. And David stayed in Jerusalem, stayed in his palatial, uh, palatial palace, his, his, his place of abode. And he, he stood on the balcony and he looked out over the balcony and he saw a woman bathing. Her name was Bathsheba. And David began to lust after her and he devised a plan. And he ended up, he ended up violating her and then his conscience got to him. And he decided that he would try to make things right with Uriah. He brought Uriah, her husband, closer to him. But Uriah was so loyal and, and David couldn't even live with the idea that Uriah was still around. And conflicted between his condemnation for what he had done and his lust for Bathsheba, he decided he would go ahead and have Uriah killed. Now the way David did it was sly. He did it in a way that he wouldn't have to feel guilty for it. He said, I want you to put Uriah at the front of the battle. And you know who he told to put Uriah at the front of the battle? Joab. Because he knew Joab was be, would he be his partner in crime. Joab will do anything. Joab, it doesn't have to, it, Joab doesn't have a conscience. I'll just have Joab help me with whatever sin I want to commit. And so, so David knew Joab was treacherous, but there was something in David that said, sometimes I need somebody treacherous. That's the way your flesh operates. You, wanna, you know it's not right. You know you want to get rid of it. You know you want to cut off certain influences in your life. But when you want to indulge the flesh, you might need that influence in your life. Oh, hallelujah. And so David said to Joab, put Uriah at the front of the battle and put him there and make sure he doesn't come out alive. 
And Joab was more than willing to do whatever David wanted him to do. And so Joab made sure Uriah was at the forefront of the battle. And David ended up paying for that. It was one of the bleakest moments in his whole life. He's a psalmist, yes. He was a prophet, yes. He was a king, yes. He was a man after God's own heart, yes. He wrote half or more of the book of Psalms. But the scripture says of that thing, the thing displeased the Lord. Let me tell you something, it doesn't matter how much you do for God. If you've got a thing in your life that displeases the Lord, don't think that all the good you do is going to overshadow in God's eyes that thing that displeases Him. Can I preach to somebody this morning? You better get a grip on the things in your life that are displeasing to God. I know it's not popular to preach. I know that it's not going to show up in some kind of a, of a public format that, that, and be praised. But you better know we've got to repent of our sins. We've got to turn back from our wicked ways. Hallelujah. And as long as you've got Joab running around the kingdom, you'll always have an outlet in your life. You'll always have access in your life to that one that will help you do what you need to do. There's some relationships maybe that you're involved with that need to go. Maybe there are some habits you're involved with that need to stop. Maybe there's some thoughts you've been thinking, some places you've been going, some folks you've been hanging with, and you know that's not God's will for you. You know it's no good for you. Don't wait another day. If David were here talking to you, he would say, walk in the ways of God. Walk in the truth of God. Follow after the things of God. And whatever you do, crucify your flesh. Crucify your flesh. Oh, hallelujah. Do you know Joab heard specifically when Absalom was running from David. David called together his three captains, Abishai, Joab, and Ittai, who replaced Asahel after Asahel died at the hands of Abner. And he looked at these three captains in the ears of all the people. And he said, listen, when you find Absalom... Make sure you don't kill him. Don't kill him. I want him alive. I, I want my son to live. I want to make amends with him. I want the relationship to be healed and restored. You know what Joab did when he found Absalom in a vulnerable position? You know it because you know Joab. That's what Joab does. Joab doesn't care what the will of God is. Your flesh doesn't care what the will of God is. God could say forgive them. You don't care if God said forgive them, not your flesh. God could say, heal that relationship. You don't care if God said, heal that relationship. God could say, you need, to, you need to treat them right even though they treated you wrong. You don't care if God says, treat them right even though they treated you wrong. Not your flesh. So Joab finds Absalom in a vulnerable place. It doesn't matter what the king said. He took his life. Let me tell you something. If you let your flesh get out of control, let me tell you. This was David's son. Joab is running amok in David's kingdom, and Joab took David's son. Let me tell you what will happen if you let your flesh run amok. Your flesh will take your children's lives. Your flesh will cause your children to lose out with God. If you follow everything after your flesh, you got to hear what I'm preaching to you this morning. There are going to be times where your flesh says give up, but the Spirit says don't give up. There are going to be times that your flesh says play, but your spirit says pray. There's going to be times that your flesh says react, and your spirit says forgive. 
There's going to be times where your flesh says take revenge and your spirit says just forgive. You better follow after the spirit of the Lord. If you follow after the flesh, you're going to lose your children, ladies and gentlemen. That's why, listen, don't open up your mouth and start talking about the saints of God criticizing the saints of God, criticizing the people of God, running the church down, talking about how evil the church is, how evil the people of God are, how, how bad this is and how bad that is. And then when the ch child gets in trouble, where are they going to go? Where are they going to go? They need to feel just at home in an old-fashioned altar where they can weep before a forgiving God and say, Lord, I'm going to lay down my heart before you. I want to lay down my life before you and let him heal and set free and deliver and restore. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know what Joab did? Joab took David's son's life. When David told Solomon, the son that would be king over Israel, he said, Solomon, listen. He said, I want you to walk in the ways of God. I want you to follow after him in all of your, with all of your heart and with all of your mind. Walk in the ways of Moses that he taught us concerning the Lord. And then he said, make sure you take Joab out. Don't let him go down to the grave without pain for what he did to Abner, what he did to Amasa, what he did to so many. I let him run rampant through my life, but don't you let him run rampant through yours. Solomon went after Joab. You know where Joab went? Let me tell you what the flesh will do. Joab ran straight to the tabernacle and grabbed the horns of the altar. All of a sudden, he got religion. And he said, Solomon, you won't, you won't kill me here. You won't kill me here. Look how religious I am. Look how spiritual I have become. Let me tell you the most deceptive form of your flesh is the part of your flesh that acts righteous. See, there's a part of your, there's a part of your flesh that lusts, that's worldly, that's carnal. That's one part of your flesh. The other part of your flesh is the part of your flesh that acts holy and acts righteous, but it's self-righteousness. It's holiness that looks down on others, not holiness that lifts up the Lord God. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a false holiness. It's a self-righteousness. And self-righteousness is not just a, a distorted form of righteousness. Self-righteousness is unrighteousness. Plain and simple. Hallelujah. And, I, and I mean, it's deceptive. It, it'll get, it, you know, you walk in and find Joab holding on to the orange of the altar. You're like, oh, man, I can't. Look at him. He's just, I mean, he loves, look, he loves God. I can't deal with this flesh. And that's what we deal with with our flesh. There, listen, you can, you can have flesh raging in your life and still feel like you're all right with God. Your flesh will try to tell you that it's holy, that it's righteous, that it's pure. I remember as I was listening to a man preach, he was preaching a magnificent message on Jesus. And he was, he was dealing with how Jesus preached to the Pharisees. Anybody remember the Pharisees? Pharisees were Jesus' constant thorn in the flesh. And, and the Pharisees were self-righteous. They were hypocrites. They would demand so much of the people. They didn't even believe it themselves. And yet they would demand so much of the people. And, and Jesus preached against them. Called them a generation of vipers. And, uh, and so... This man's preaching about all the different times that Jesus had preached to the Pharisees and denounced the Pharisees and called them vipers and called them hypocrites. 
And I was like, yeah, yeah, preach. You're preaching. Go ahead, preach. You're doing it, man. Preach on. And then all of a sudden I realized he's really raking the Pharisees over the coals. And I stopped and I thought, why is he preaching so hard against the Pharisees? I thought, he needs to stop preaching. So why don't you preach against some real sin instead of, okay, we got it. The Pharisees were bad. The Pharisees were, were wicked. The Pharisees were hypocrites. But man, you've, you've not let up on it. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, why are you defending the Pharisees? And I thought, why am I defending the Pharisees? And the Holy Ghost revealed to me again, because you're a Pharisee yourself. You're feeling convicted is what you're feeling, preacher. You're feeling the Holy Ghost get down on the inside of you and reveal some parts of you that need to be changed. Hallelujah. So you're, you're beginning to lash out. Go ahead, preach against a different sin. Move along now, preacher. Move along. No, don't move along. Preach till the flesh dies. Pray till the flesh dies. Pray till godly sorrow worketh repentance. Tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. If you've got something inside of your spirit that needs to be given to God, you ought to give it to Him right now. You ought to lift up your voice and say, God, I'm giving it to you right now. You ought to lift up your hands and say, God, I don't want this thing, hallelujah, to be a part of my life. I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to lay it down before you. Could you lift your hands all across this building and do that right now in the name of Jesus? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, whatever fleshly thing you've let rage in your life, go ahead and release it to God right now. Come on, you know what it is. I don't even have to know what it is. You know what it is. Whatever fleshly thing you've given access, you've given lordship, you've given authority, you default to, go ahead and lift it up to God and say, God, I don't want it any longer. I don't want it any longer. I don't want it any longer. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Let me tell you something about the flesh while the musicians are coming. Let me tell you something about the flesh that is so important to understand. There are sins in our lives that we don't even know exist. And the only thing that we, that, that, that does know that these sins exist is the Holy Ghost. God is the only one who knows that it's going on in our spirit. The Bible calls it presumptuous sins. When David repented before the Lord, he said, Lord, forgive me for my presumptuous sins. Forgive me for the sins of my life that I presumed to be perfectly fine. But they're not perfectly fine. Reveal in me the things that need to change. If you have something in your life that seems like a wall, that seems like a barrier that you can't get past, here's what I want you to do first and foremost repent whatever whatever you are trying to push past what try, whatever you're trying to get through there may be something preventing you you don't know anything about I want you to lift up your voice and say God I don't even know what it is but I'm willing to turn from it if it's not like you in the name of Jesus come on I'm willing to turn from it right now in the name of Jesus hallelujah hallelujah Lord I want you to have lordship in my life I want you to have lordship in my life 
Come on, in the name of Jesus. Did you know God can give you a baptism of wisdom right now to give you understanding of what needs to change in your life? Don't be so naive as to think that you're just going your merry way and nothing needs to change. I didn't come up here to just pat you on the back and say everything's going fine and everything's all right and you don't need to make any adjustments and you don't need to make any changes. You hear the word of the Lord tonight. You hear what God would say to the church. There's something in your spirit that needs sanctifying there's something in your spirit that needs justifying there's something in your life that needs adjustment see when David was king David was a praiser David was a worshiper that's what we like to do we like to praise God we like to worship God that's what we do we give him praise we give him honor we give him glory but you've got at some point to move on from just being a worshiper When Solomon became king, he was a man of wisdom. See, you've got to worship until you become wise. And when you become wise, you will deal with the problems in your kingdom. You will deal with the problems in your spirit. When you become wise, you will deal with the stuff that needs to be dealt with. When you're just praising God and just worshiping God, there's some things that may get out of hand you'll never deal with. But hallelujah, I pray for a baptism of Holy Ghost wisdom to come upon you today in the name of Jesus to where you can look around your life and say, this is causing problems for me. This activity, this habit, this way of thinking, this way of treating people, this way, this way of living, this way of ignoring God, of neglecting spiritual things, this way of indulging in the lusts of my flesh, it's this way of indulging in the appetite of my own resentment. Hallelujah. Come on, all across this building, let's lift up holy hands unto the Lord. Lift up holy hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your most deceitful enemy. Your most deceitful enemy is not the disease that would like to take you down. Your most deceitful enemy isn't even the temptation that you seem to fall to so easily. Your most deceitful enemy is your own flesh. Your most deceitful enemy is that that thing inside of you that's willing to do anything even if God says don't. Some of you think God is so merciful, he'll just overlook it. Don't bet on it. Don't bet on that. You hear what I'm telling you. The thing displeases the Lord. If the thing displeases the Lord, you better give that thing up. Come on, I wonder if there's somebody that could come down to the front right now and say, God, I'm, I'm hearing your word. I'm hearing your word in the name of Jesus. Come on, all across this building, let's stand to our feet and let the Spirit of the Lord move in this house. Let's let the Spirit of the Lord move in this house. Some of you are holding grudges that God is trying to lift off of you. Some of you are holding bitterness towards somebody in your past. It's time to lay that bitterness down. Come on, it's time to lay that bitterness down. Holiness. Holiness is what you want for me. Hallelujah. 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 Yes. Holiness. Holiness is what I long for. What I long for. Holiness is what I need. Oh, yes, Lord. What you want for me.
like somebody right need, right now needs the Holy Ghost to get your anger under control somebody right now you need the Holy Ghost to get your anger under control come on lift up your hands everybody lift up your hands everybody go ahead everybody you need to let the Holy Ghost get your anger under control there's some anger down in your spirit that gets the best of you too easily you're snapping at people you love you're irritable with the people who are dearest to you. It may be a lack of sleep. It might be a lack of contentment. It might be deep, deep-seated issues. But I'm going to tell you, you don't have to figure all that out. You don't have to psychoanalyze that. You can just give it to God right now and say, Lord, I need you to take control right now. I need you to take control. I need the Joab part of me. I need the flesh part of me to be crucified. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on. There's somebody here struggling with lust. There's somebody here struggling with lust of the eyes and lust of the flesh. And you, you just gave up on the struggle. You think it's normal and you just always deal with it. Right now, you need to give it to God and say, God, I believe. I believe your word that you can give me power, that you can give me authority over this. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, let's praise Him. Let's praise Him in this house. Come on, let's praise Him in this house. Hallelujah. There's somebody, there's somebody that's been hurt. There's somebody that's been hurt. You've been hurt deeply. It's created sadness. It's created times of depression seasons of deep sadness and it has created an entitlement to do as you want to do and act how you want to act and treat people the way you want to treat people and live how you want to live Jesus Christ can break that chain if you'll give him that hurt right now just release it to him open up your mouth and say God I give you the pain of my betrayal I give you the pain of my hurt I give it to you right now Come on, don't let the devil get a handle on you. Don't let the devil get an upper grip on you. Give it to God right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, give it to God right now in the name of Jesus. Yes, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I release this pain to you. It will not control me. It will not control me. It will not control me one day more. 
Hallelujah. Come on, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. Come on, lift up your praises under the Lord. Lift up your praises under the Lord. Hallelujah.